Welcome to episode 748 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 748 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Biv and James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan, and you? On top of, top of the world to you, mate. You're looking nice and right. bright this morning? I do like, I've got my I Am Talk fluoro yellow. Is it fluoro? Well, what is fluoro, but does it... High-vis. Does it, does it glow in the dark? It does. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty cool. And I've never been one for high-vis, but I do really like this top. So if you want to get one, go to IamTalk.me and click up and... Merchandise area, and you can go get one for Christmas. Always closing. You've watched, you've watched, what's that movie? Um, Glengarry Glen Ross. Have you seen that movie? What's it called? I think it's called Glengarry Glen. It's a, it's a stage play, but it's a, it's a very famous movie. It's got like, um, Alex Baldwin and mm. I think Al Pacino. Um, and it's about salesmen, but it's, oh, yeah. it's brilliant. There's a scene where Alex Baldwin goes absolute H. He's like the manager. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's, lots of people will know it. Oh. Um, anyway, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. Uh, let's name a few, Jombo. Matthew, the President Reagan. We've got How Now Brown Cow Dolphin. Robert Speedy G. Aruda. Aruda. And Daniel, the Investigator Clark. Guys, on this week's show, we've got some news. We've got Hot Topic. Uh, we've got an interview with one of the athletes who was racing at Challenge Daytona. Yeah, so I tried to grab a few of them, but um, it was you know pretty, fairly late at night, but hopefully we're going to be having a chat to Amelia Watkinson later on. She finished fifth uh, yesterday, so uh, good Kiwi lass living in Australia, made the trip over and uh, got rewarded. Yeah, good times. Uh, random high five at the end. What's the high five on? It's pretty random. Okay, the ran- we'll just call it the random high five. Mm-hmm. And then wingers of the week and questions and answers. You know, Well, let's talk about the one race we had this year that's actually of significance. Uh, PTO Championships happened yesterday in New Zealand time. Uh, John, there's lots to talk about. Let's talk about the pre-race first. Yes, yeah, so there was... W- we were getting emails because we get media emails yeah. like every flipping five minutes. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. Um, so there was a huge amount of hype. Uh, for those of you on, that do do social media, if, if your feed was anything like mine on Facebook and stuff, massive amount of hype in terms of advertising, marketing. Yeah. And, and it was good stuff. Yeah. And, and so they did, I think they did a really good build up to it. Um, and, and yeah, and they, but they're really pitching it as being the best field ever. And it was going to be the best coverage you're ever going to see from a from a long course triathlon event. Um, and for those of you that have been living under a stone, they had a million over a million dollars in prize money. Everyone was going to get paid uh, that finished, so it was a hundred thousand dollars for first, and dropped down to two and a half thousand for the the latter athletes. And um, you just finished, and you got two and a half thousand. So that made it. You know, if you were travelling the race, you're going. I'm not going to lose any money on this race, even if I bomb out. If I don't finish, I will. Yeah. Uh, distances was 100 kilometres in total, so I think they. Went, went Interesting. Went. Just just before you go on, I wonder if there are some athletes who are like normally just pull out, or were even a little bit injured, but like you know, mm-hmm. just plod plod through the course to get my two and a half k. I sure as hell would. Yeah. If you you're would. top top one and you're. Like, yeah, maybe I don't need to money so bit, much. Like, We'll talk about Brownlee later, but he didn't didn't plot on because he had an injured calf. But for those guys earning the mega bucks, maybe it's not such a big deal. But they've made it around 100 kilometer distance, so it's easy for I guess the non triathlon audience to get it going. It's 100 k's, 2 k swim, 80 k bike, 18 k run, 20 20 meter draft zone on the bike, and it was held in Daytona, um, which is a car racing track. Laps of four kilometers on the bike, um, and that meant. When you're on a flat track, it's 100% aero bars, which had a fairly big impact um, on the race. 
So just just on um, the distance, were you happy with the distance as an overall thing? Well, I think it worked out pretty well. You didn't get necessarily the long course athletes dominating. No, it was, it was a good mix, wasn't it? The Olympic distance athletes didn't really feature that much. So, I mean, I'm sure that the long course guys, as you heard from Joe Skipper, they'd probably prefer it being a little bit longer, you know, um, maybe the, the Nice distance. But I think the, the advantage they've got with this one, with it being a little bit shorter, the race is over a bit quicker. And if you want to make this a TV spectacle, if you start to go, you know, four or five hours long for each race, um, A, it's a lot more costly, I guess, for the production, and B, it's going to be... Um, Potentially less, you know, less eyeballs because it just goes for so much longer. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk about what kind of what was the, the way the race was sold. So, one thing they were talking about is kind of it's, kind of, it's the best field ever assembled, and it was a great field, but it was lacking some key ingredients, wasn't it? It was, and I, I'd sort of put it on. We've had some really good fields over the last few years for seventy point three worlds, and Kona's different because it's all just long course. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think they did the best job that they possibly could in terms of it was an awesome, awesome field. Oh, and if you go the best field we could ever get in this year yeah. by Country Mile, you know, and I know you went over races this year, but put three more people in this race, put four more people, put Frodo, Langer, Reef, and Charles, then you could argue it's of the quality of the best field ever. Exactly. Because no 70.3 would have had a field like this. No, no. And, and that's the thing. I think, you know, for me, the, the men's race that stands out was the 70.3 in South Africa when there you was had Frodo, amazing. Gomez, um, and Brownlee going head to head. So you didn't necessarily have that here. Um, we didn't have it here. And then, yeah, obviously, Daniela Reef would have been a weapon. The thing for me, Frodo and Reef, when we remember their careers, if they'd won this race, nobody's going to remember. And a couple of years down the track, we're but not going to But isn't that thing of Aaron Baker won the first ever World Championships? Mm. You know, like, it depends on what becomes of this event. Yeah. Like, if in 20 years this is the mano-a-mano race of the year, then this will actually matter. Mm. You know, it's, it goes because of Mark. And the nice thing about the first World Championships is the right people won it. Mm-hmm. You know, because the first ever ITU World Championships was Baker and Allen, wasn't it? Uh, yep, yep. So at that time, those were the two people who should have won it. Mm. Now... I'm not sure how much the athletes at the time really bought into the race. Mm-hmm. Did they buy into it massively? Oh, that was before my time. Yeah, but so, but sometimes like these, you're kind of early on, you, some people can get, like the 70.3 wheel champs, the, the earth early winners were guys who were pretty good athletes. Mm. They weren't the rock stars of the I day. I couldn't tell you who won. Like, Terenzo won one Terenzo of them. Terenzo won it once, and Craig Alexander won it a few times. Yeah. But, you know, if we use, say, Challenge Bahrain as an example, I know who won it. Just, but I guarantee you, ninety percent of our audience probably wouldn't remember who won. No, it. Um, who did win it? Wasn't it? Wait a second, let me see. I think it was one of the Raylett brothers, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I think it was Michael, Michael Raylett. Yeah, and then I'm pretty sure it was Halle Fredrickson, and that was well, you know. But a, that race hasn't continued on exactly. And whereas they didn't have a billion dollars sitting behind them, so I just kind of think that in the future, you, you, let's say let's say a really long time in the future, where maybe Ironman isn't as prestigious, and, and this has actually gone really well. Maybe winning this race was important. Yes, yeah, so I mean the, the the people that would have could have impacted the podium. I think Reef and Char- Reef, Charles and Frodo. I don't think Langer, would, to be honest, would have been much of a factor you over the half distance. He does come up later in the show, oh, yeah. uh, and there's there's plenty of other names that weren't necessarily there that could have maybe got a top five, or at least a top ten. Yep. You know, like the likes of Braden Curry, Joe Skipper, etc. Whether they would have won it. Maybe a bit of a long shot, um, but it was still a high quality field. Whether you could say best ever, well, um, you can't because you've got Reef and Frodo. Yeah, but statistically, if Torsten did some analysis in terms of a good the, field. The, the strength of it, 
he could tell us where it sort of sat compared to say a 70.3 mm. world champs which is the only other time you kind of get that blending of the athletes well what's interesting is what will it look like next year let's say let's say and it's hard to know where we'll be vaccine wise next year but let's hope next year we're in a place where the vaccine you know people can travel and be in peak mm. condition and done some racing leading into a race like this and they get the time of the race right again and they get a stellar field but you know they'll be interesting to see will it, will it be that last five percent will be there Totally, and if it's at the same time again next year, if it's at Daytona, then you've also got that challenge that people will have done Kona, and then there's that big come down from Kona, like trying to drag yourself through to yeah. December. So, but do you think it will hurt seventy point three? Like, so if you are someone who wants to win this instead of the seventy point three world champs, or if this becomes more prestigious, do you think that hurts the seventy point three field? Um, if it, well, it's at the different time of the year, so I think probably not because seventy point three is pitched in September and pre pre you know end of ITU season, yep. pre Kona, so it fits really well. If this goes after um, the uh, for Kona, then as you said, you've got that Kona fatigue, and then the other thing that it may start clashing with is the the Super League. So where it fits into this, the the calendar is is tricky, but money talks. Just yeah. talk your mic up it's just big, a little bit. It's uh, it's big money race. Well, just one other question before we go on to the next sections. What do you think about the Daytona course? Well, what it did, it allowed them to have good coverage, and that's yep. what we're going to go yep. into later. Because, but as a racing course, uh, I think it was it was good. You know, of yep. course, you want a hill in there to break things up, but I think if you weigh everything up, you'd say this is probably somewhere which you're going to get good coverage. You don't have to worry. They're drafting. A few people got drafting penalties, but you know there's no excuse for drafting yeah, in this pretty. race. Whereas if you're on a different course, then it's, it's slightly more difficult. So I think if you weighed, it's not perfect, but if you weighed everything up, I'd say it's probably better than going out on the road somewhere. Here's the crazy idea: in each lap, they have to go up cones up that top bit and come back down a few times. Good, good point. Uh, yeah, I just, you have a little couple of spikers in each lap. It looks pretty serious. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But it'd be kind of good get get the legs burning a little bit. Yeah, has yeah. some cone sections where it goes up a little bit, comes down, and then you may um yeah you just have to think about the cranks hitting hitting the ground because that does happen. Is I, it that I, steep? Well, on like a on a a, a velodrome, it yeah. is. Um, I don't know if it's quite that steep, but um, I think it's a lot steeper than it looks. Yeah, that'd be a cool idea, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah. Okay, John, let's talk about the coverage. Uh, so was it as good as it was built up to be? Um, so build up lots of stories. Um, Breakfast with Bob stuff was going on. I didn't really watch much, but I just clicked on a Lionel Sanders interview this morning as I was He's getting always great, isn't he? He talks so well. He just doesn't give you the stock standard answers, yeah. and it's no bullshit. Like, you know... Um, Bob Babbitt was saying, oh, it's amazing you run it. You run 14.30 or something for, for 5K. That's awesome. He goes... Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Yeah. It's you know, but you know, I compare myself to the uh, these guys here, and they're running thirteen thirty. So yeah, it's good. But you know, so he's he, he's he's just really well grounded. Really, he's just he's just he's just who he is, isn't he? And so when we compare the picture quality to other races that that we watch in terms of long course events, it was amazing. Um, from from where I was watching, given it was a you know internet stream, I thought the commentary team was well balanced. Between um, you know, had Belinda Granger yep. for the inside knowledge, and then you had um Alicia Kay and Peter someone. No, the, the other fellow, Kevin McKinnon, out on the bikes. Yep. And so they, they had the inside knowledge. Then you had the, the other sort of non-triathlon people that, that sort of rounded out the team. So I thought they did good in that regard. Um, the other thing that was great for me was it wasn't all focused on the leaders, especially in the females race. You know, it got a bit boring in terms of uh, the winner, but they had enough cameras out there that you could see what was going on. And that is the, the advantage race. of being in Daytona. Because, mm. you, you know, you, you couldn't do that in Kona. Yeah, no. Um, 
and it was great. They constantly, for those that didn't watch, had a top 20 on the screen so you could see the movement. And we were always asking for that in terms of GPS tracking and stuff. So it wasn't GPS, but because of the, the lap format of the race, every you know 4Ks, however long that was taking them, um, you'd get a, a, an accurate update. So well, that was really good. Um, post, uh, yeah, look, if you haven't watched it, the there was a gigantic cock up and you can't well you can talk about it because it's yeah. you know yeah. so five minutes to go in the men's race the feed dropped out and it was just a cock and it something. dropped out for how long because unfortunately for me and I was, I was a bit of a bunger because I watched the last part of the girls ride and most of the girls run um, and that was pretty fascinating because it was early so I kind of woke up and just got into it and then I watched the swim and the first maybe couple of laps of the bike and then I had to go to the gym and teach a class mm-hmm. so I pushed pause and then I came home kind of kind of quickly kind of just went through the bikes or what was happening but kind of just and then I went to the run I really enjoyed the run and then I obviously was behind the, the live coverage but as soon as the live coverage finished they just stopped the feed right. so, so it just stopped so I kind of went back later and watched little bits of it but I didn't really watch I missed probably the last 10 of the men's run yeah so for, for those that didn't watch basically five minutes to go when the men's race was really exciting not so much for the win but for second place yep. the feed dropped out and you couldn't log back in to get back in and, mm. and I saw him being able to get back in to watch it they have got the five minutes coverage they've got the last five minutes yeah. but then they haven't got the necessarily the order of the guys coming across the okay. line yeah it just finishes changed, as they finish it, they, yeah. they, they haven't got the interviews up so if you put that aside it was I thought the coverage was that really, is, really that good. is unfortunate but for that them because that's the biggest mistake you want mm. not to happen you know that's that's so unfortunate if they cut for them. out midway through the yeah, bike you so go, be it. Oh, whatever but so that's going to haunt them unfortunately what I would have liked to have seen um I, I saw this this morning. I didn't see it yesterday, but I wouldn't would have liked to have an athlete tracker, and there was actually one there, but I didn't see it very obviously. So then you could see what was happening outside yep. the top twenty, because the likes of Lionel Sanders and so on, they weren't in the top twenty for for a long, long time. And I was like, where are they? Where are they? And there was actually a tracker there. So I should have looked harder, but maybe they should have put it a bit more prominently as well. Yeah, um, I would have liked to have seen. They, they inserted a few athlete interviews, um, but not heaps, you know, because it did get, does get quite boring on the bike. Um, so I thought a few more little mini clips inserted in would have been would have been quite good. And I know the technical side of that's maybe a bit difficult, but is it? I don't know. That's what people surely not. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I did start to get a little bit fired up with is a couple of times, and I'm not sure if it was Belinda Granger or somebody else, they started talking about half-distance triathlon, half-distance world champs, and yeah. said, just say it's a 70.3 world champs, yeah. and don't stoop to the same levels that WTC and Ironman do, that they don't even acknowledge challenge or challenge Roth or anything yeah. like that. That really, really annoyed me. Let's <laughs> get the rent fight up inside you, didn't it? Yeah, and then obviously the last five minutes. Um, I think it's not really fair to compare this to Kona, because yes, they did a great job. Picture quality was awesome, but going around a track is a shitload easier. Yeah. If you haven't been to Kona, you're in the sticks. Um, yep. Kona itself is a tiny place, and once you're out of town, there's like nothing out there. Mm. So, you know, I don't think we can compare them. Uh, sort of, it's not comparing apples with apples. Was it the best coverage ever? I'd say for a long course race, probably was the best coverage I've ever seen for a long course race. It's still not a very exciting sport to watch. Well, and, and this is my this is my concern because if this is the PTO who's got a lot of money behind them, got a lot of, and I know it's early days, so we're going to be too, too critical, but that ain't a package that's going to sell. No, but if you package it up as uh, thirty, this bloody microphone, Bevan, <laughs> far out. <laughs> We're rookies. We're doing this for 15 years. I can't even get a bloody microphone to stay in place. Here we go. He's coming up. I've got two rants happening today, team. You need to tighten it harder, John. 
Get, ready. Get your muscles in there, mate. Get it in there. There we go. There we go. Um, I just... Wh- wh- what everyday person's going to want to watch that? And how could you package that in a way... Well, you, you've got to make it. Do the Kona coverage, the one-hour package. Yeah. Build it in with... They had an age group race. They had a kids race. So that nobody's going to sit there and watch that for five hours except me. I, I got up at four o'clock to watch it. Uh, but everybody else, they're not going to do that. And no matter, you can't... I don't think you can package even, it up Even if way. you package it in an hour, can you make it a... Well, I think that's, that's when you've got to have your special interest stories. So the, there was enough dynamicness in that race. Dynamicness probably isn't yeah, really yeah, word, we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. Yeah. Uh, there was enough changes happening and there was enough of a story within the race that I think you could make it an interesting um, feed and then you combine in some special interest stories and I think it would be, it'd be similar to Kona. But there was definitely more action lead changes and so on yeah. that you could really build up to make it something that I think would be um, appealing. But for, for a live event, you can do whatever you want. It's still five hours. Most people are not going to sit there for five hours to watch a race. No, because you think like tennis is five hours, but tennis is lots of short moments. Mm. You know, when you think of a long course triathlon, there's, there's 20 but moments. Who, who watches a tennis game for five hours? It'd be very few. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I, it's not many, but at least it's kind of coming and going a lot. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to... Th- yeah, to me, the only package that works at this stage is Super League. Yeah, oh yeah, I agree with you that. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm not quite sure, because PTO's long-term mission, it seems like, is trying to get a TV audience hmm. to to, back, to justify the money that they've put behind it. And um, Now, it's like the, the hub for the media, and I'm sure the public got to see it as well, the, the media stuff they're doing was phenomenal. The hmm. stories, it was really great work. And, and, but just the race coverage, I'm just, and it's not, not dissing them, I'm just not sure. If I'd said, Joe, come watch this for me for five hours, she would have done after about 10 minutes, she goes, oh, I'm just going to kitchen and make it. <laughs> yeah. And start wiping something down. You know, like. Um, That's our sport, though. It's an endurance sport. It's the same as the Tour de France. Very few people are going to sit there and watch. But, what, but five people hours. do watch the Tour de France. Not for five hours, they don't. They'll watch the one hour highlights package at the end of the day. Yeah, true. So, so, so then how do. Yes, yeah, this, is, this is a good challenge for this organisation, mm. you know, because I love what they're doing here and I hope that they, this becomes a big thing in the long but term. Do you but need people to be watching it for that long? Same thing. Well, you need people watching it. You need interest. For, for golf, same thing. Uh, granted, totally different stratosphere in terms of the number of people that watch it, but there wouldn't be many people that will sit there and watch gol- well, golf maybe they for three do. four hours. We don't know. Mm. You know, it's a big, big TV thing, golf mm. and tennis. So there is the market for long sport. Mm. Um, just how do we get into the everyday that's the, I suppose that's the real challenge is how do we get into the, the, the frame of, of care for everyday public or for, at least for a bigger audience? Um, often it's things like rivalries. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think, about, think about the sports that you have known that you weren't really that interested in, but suddenly you kind of got interested in too. So it's even like, like I've got back into boxing in, in kind of in the last period of time. And it's because heavyweight boxing is really interesting. Mm. You've know, you, you got, you got um, um, Fury, you've had Wilder, and you've got um, Anthony Joshua. Three really good boxers, totally mm. different personalities, totally different styles. You know, and whereas boxing before that moment, I hadn't watched the heavyweight boxing since David Tours, like the mm. 90s, and he's only because he's a Kiwi. So, so it's either you've got some really good rivalries, you've got someone, a real special athlete. Mm-hmm. So like the Brownlee brothers, they probably brought some people into the sport. Whatever, whatever things brings people into a sport. Yeah, I think ex- interesting, exciting racing, which I think we had, but you've got to have that consistently. And, and there's that intrigue of... I don't actually know who's going to win this race. 
and that's what was good for me in this in the men's race. Towards the end, it was pretty obvious who was going to win. Who was going to? But get... you did not know who was going to get second or third, yeah. uh, and that's what kept me captivated to be, to keep watching it. And the same thing happens in cycling. Um, if you get a runaway leader, it's like okay, I'll just so, do so, something else. So as I'm thinking here, so there's this kind of level of interest kind of theory I've just made up in my head right now. So level of interest. So so for example, um, some sports. I'll get up on the tribe app and I want to know the result. Mm-hmm. You know, so like in, I don't know, whatever the sport is. But Six might, Nations rugby. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm never going to watch yep. it, but I'm interested in the Yeah, result. totally. So I want to see if the, the Poms beat the French. So there's some sports. Come on, Frenchies. Oh, well, they just about did with a, like a sixth grade team. But anyway, <laughs> um, so there's, you know, there's some sports where I'll, although I do love rugby and I watch rugby, but there's some sports, um, I am interested to know a result. Mm-hmm. And then there's some sports where, there's a level where I'll go, you know what, I'm going to watch one race a year or one event a year because it's the big event for that sport. You know, so I might, you know, just make a, make an effort to kind of watch that sport. Then there's some sports which I'll kind of watch a couple of games and then there's the sports I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. So like cricket, the Kiwi sports is the ones I'm most passionate about. I'll, I'll put triathlon in my second tier. Yeah, totally. Second tier, I'll probably watch Kona. I watch mm-hmm. that race. I watch the Olympics. You know, I may watch four or five races, whereas for you, triathlons at level mm. one. So you're kind of thinking, how do you transition people through that scale of A, they just want to show interest in who, who wins. B, they might watch the PTO and Kona. Mm. C, they actually start to watch a package of, you know, maybe buying the, the World Triathlon Series that you buy. Mm. You know, and how do we filter people and how do we create interest that takes people up that ladder of interest into the sport? Mm. And I think, you know, that's the challenge that they need to really start to figure out. And you probably need to think about how you get that first person of just getting them interested in the result mm. and then how do you feed them up? Mm. Um, because the more we can do that, you know, we've already, you've already got your target market. Mm. You know, you want to keep the people who are the comers and goers, keep them interested, but it's actually the, those people who, first of all, how do you get interested in the result of who won that race? Mm. Yeah, so that's my weird theory it's made up. So let's look at the race, John. So the women's race, uh, it was an interesting field because yeah, you, you had a few favourites, but... Would have you picked the winner? Uh, no, no, I don't think anybody did. I mean, she was certainly a favourite, so Paula Finlay won the race. Dominated. So most people's favourites going into the race was Spirit. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened to her because she had a good run, um, but her bike, she's a weapon on the bike, and I, I, so I don't know what happened on the bike because she was uh, way out the back door. She did run herself back up to, I think, 11th, which was good. Holly Lawrence was another f- um, real race favourite. She was okay. She was just a bit below average. Fourth place is not crap, but yeah. she's a world champion athlete. Um, and then the other favourite most people had was Annie Hull. Gee, she can run, can't she? Yeah, she's a beast on the run. <laughs> when she just, like, you know, she's passing fast runners. Mm. And she was just, like, turbocharging past them, wasn't she? No, she was. And, and it helps when you're smaller, you look like you're running. Well, her fast, cadence but, is but so high. Isn't it? Yeah. She's a weapon. So, just in terms of the story of the race, Anne Howe got a two-minute penalty on for for drafting. I think it was more of a passing penalty um, on the bike rather than actually just sitting in the draft zone. Let's just before we go on with the drafting because in the beginning of the bike, Louis was definitely drafting. Vincent Louis, yeah, yeah Louis. Sorry. So, we, we, was there a bit of inconsistency? Um, or, or is he just on that borderline? It depends if you've got an official with you at the exact right time. So when he was, if you say he was Because you'd, you'd agree he was, wasn't he? Um, yeah, look, it was, I, what we found, found really interesting, so if you didn't watch the coverage, it was cones, and the yeah. cones were placed out every 20 metres. So you could, that was quite easy for the spectator to tell if they were drafting or not. Yeah. But 
for me, it was, um, I was like, that's not 20 metres, that's 10 metres. Oh, really? Um, you felt it short. But then, the, from the angle of the camera, but oh, then okay. when you actually got a side on, you go, shit, that really is 10 metres. 20, uh, 20 metres, yep. not 10. And so it makes you think in Kona, hey, when they're at their lineup, I know the camera really, really Compresses shortens, the, yeah, shortens okay. it. So, um, Yes, of course, there's always inconsistencies. You know, there's not a, a, a marshal with everybody every every single moment. I think they probably would have been a little bit lenient at the start of the bike ride when everybody comes out of the swim and when you had that little access ramp to get onto the, the main track. Yeah. But I'm sure once they got on the track... You know, it was, it was fine with the net. It was once on the track was when it started. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, whatever happened, she got a two-minute penalty, which kind of eliminated her from winning the race when it came down to coming off the bike. So Paula Finlay uh, dominated the dojo. Uh, she got in a, a broke away with Lisa Norton, uh, who is an Olympic medalist and a very, very good cyclist and very good all-round athlete, but she was injured. So then uh, when it came to the run, she was gone burger and, and pulled out of the race. So Paula Finlay has is, is pretty much reinvented herself because a few years ago, and, and this is quite a few years ago, 2010 and 11 on the ITU circuit, she just had this sort of 12 to 15 month period where she was just about unbeatable. Oh, really? And she was a young athlete, you know, probably 20-ish, or maybe even younger, and just crushed it. And since then, since June 2011, she's had nine years of struggles. Tried to keep going on the ITU circuit, bombed out at the Olympics. Why? Was it injury or? I'm not sure exactly what it was. I think, I, I don't know, but it was probably a combination of all injuries, growing up, all that sort of stuff, I imagine. It must be a tough career, eh? When nine. you've had a moment when you start your career, it's a bit like Lydia Coe in the golf. There's a New Zealand golfer who, at like 19, was unbreakable, kind of one, mm. bit of a Tiger Woods. And then two years later, can't win anything. So this is her record in, uh, on the ITU circuit uh, from June 2010. It goes, f- not all of these are the top level races, but first, 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 fifth, uh, fourth, first, first, first. DNF. She had a DNF in the Edmonton ITU World Cup race in July 2011. Then it went uh, 29th. She did get a second at a, at a small race. Then 52nd at the Olympics. And then like DNF, DNF, a 17th, a 15th at smaller races. She sort of got a few top 10s, maybe top 5s, but nothing else on the ITU circuit. She did come back uh, and won a couple of, uh, did got podiums at just real small ITU races, but never got back to the top level at the ITU circuit, sort of a 15th and a 21st. Must just be crushing when you are the big kahuna for a short period. But she's reinvented herself. Uh, she started doing some 70.3s and she's had some good podiums, good strong performances, but not dominating. But this year, for whatever reason, it's all clicked and she came together in this race and she was uh, amazing. So wait, well, the next moment in her career, she'll do what? She'll carry on doing 70.3s, I imagine. But she just looked, you know, in her early days in ITU, you know, you see them, they're small, they're young, and they're just smoking it. Now she looks like just developed, technically really sound, and just looked amazing across the board. So, you know, um, for some people, COVID's been absolutely shit, no income or anything like that. For others, they've sort of reinvented themselves, and let's hope for her that she becomes, uh, you know, top consistent level athlete and how so she finished um, more than two minutes behind in the end so you could you couldn't really say uh, she would have caught her it was about three minutes in the end wasn't it yeah, yeah. so 
and, and she only ran a, a minute and a bit quicker than uh, Paula Finlay. So pretty amazing performance. She swam 25.01 for the 2K. She rode a 151.13 and then she ran a 106.25 for 18K. And she ended up finishing, uh, yeah, about th- two and a half minutes um, clear of Anne Haug. And then it was another two and a half minutes back to Laura Phillip. And that's after that, that's when it started to get really close. You know, there was a fairly small fairly small time gaps so what are the surprises in the top 10 uh, lots of them really it's probably yeah. more of the surprises that who wasn't there in terms of Nicholas Spurig uh, wasn't there you have your ITU athlete Jodie Stimson you, wasn't, you weren't really sure how, how she would do Sarah Crowley who's been a fantastic um, you know full distance race uh, athlete and she's had podiums in Kona and won lots of races she wasn't there um, Lisa Norton um, pulled out but she was injured so those are probably the main few so um, yeah Laura Phillip third Holly Lawrence fourth Amelia Watkinson fifth Sky Munch uh, sixth Fennell Langridge seventh Sarah Spence eighth I've never heard of this Elizabeta Corridoro Caridori, uh from Italy, and then Nicholas Spurig was was tenth. It is cool when you look at the pay, pro, you know, like the top ten pay is pretty great. Um, but you know, then you go down to eleventh, they can fifteen k US, thirteen k US for eleven. You know, even fourteenth can ten k. You know, that's a that's an Ironman win in a lot of places in the world. Yeah, Heather Jackson finished in twentieth place, uh, four thousand dollars. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Mm. That's why. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. It's a good racing. Uh, it Just was, a strong dominant actually, race, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. A, it was a dojo domination, which is impressive. I wouldn't say it was necessarily good racing because it was pretty obvious off the. The racing the for second was interesting, but racing for second was interesting, and, and how and how man she got she had the served the penalty at the start of the run. Yep. You didn't have to take it there because Jonathan Brownlee also got it. You could so take where did he take his uh, midway through the run? Hmm. Uh, which what he wrote, this is probably not a bad strategy. Have a rest. I would probably take it. No, I don't know. I've never actually been in that situation. Because in the Olympics, he did it at the end, didn't he? Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know where you'd take it, whether you go... Because, you know, like you go hard for 5Ks, mm. have a rest. Mm. <sighs> you, you know, you've got to, you can have a bit of a stretch, okay, mental prep, go. Or you go, I can freshen up off the bike, get the body moving, and then just... Yeah, and how nailed it out of that team, <laughs> like, like it was a 100-metre sprint. Uh, so just an The only run. thing, you, 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 you know, she, she was still three minutes back. It would have been really fast. Yeah. If she'd been, if they'd come. I mean, it's a lot to make up, but. Mm. But if she'd been, you know, oh, gee, if she'd been that close, mm. it could have been pretty fascinating. And then the pressure would have gone on uh, yeah. Paul Finlay at the front. Who knows what would have happened. Yeah, what if, so that was a bit unfortunate. What a shoulda, coulda. Yep, the men's race, the swim, was a bit more strung out than I'd expected, but that's one of the advantages with having a fairly small field. You know, if it was 40 to 50 athletes, um, things do get strung out a bit more. Yeah, kind of split, didn't great. they? Mm. Mm. Um, on the bike ride. Any right, surprises in the swim? Um... There's a few people that were really out the back door. Sanders went off the third bunch, didn't he? Yeah, so... Um, it arguably cost him the race. Mm. So, yeah, there's just a few probably of the iron guys that were a bit further out the back door. Um, the bike... So the riders were close, and, and you want to ride at exactly 20 metres. Yeah. And that's where... I think when we were watching it, you're going, maybe that guy's a bit drafting, drafting a little bit, but they were... Bang on twenty meters. Yeah. Uh, I did the old thing of you know you try to iron your eye your line. I'm yeah. sorry, line your eyes up. Yeah. You're gonna, and you're trying to see are they passing the cone at the same time? Yeah. You know, and generally I think they were. Yes. Yeah. So you, and the reason you've got to hold that twenty meters is if you don't, somebody can then cut in front of you 
and you, drop you have back. to drop back. Whereas if you maintain the exact 20 metres, they have to ride straight past you and they have to ride past the rider in front. So it's partly tactical um, because you're forcing riders to, to ride hard past you, but it's also taking the frustration factor out for you that if someone cuts in front of you, then it's your responsibility to drop back and you've got a free wheel set up and so on. So that's why they keep it exactly 20 metres. You might think, oh, why don't they just ride 25? That's mm. the reason why. Uh, I would say Gomez was in the hunt for quite a long time. I thought he was going to get shelled on the bike, and he did in the end. But he was in the hunt for quite a while. I was thinking, oh, he could uh, he could go okay here. But then he got smashed. Yeah, because he was quite long off in the bike in the end, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then Gustav Eden, I was keep, keeping a track on him because I sort of picked him before the race. And midway through, he was only one minute down. And I was thinking could be in here and coming off the bike he was he was not that far down either so he was my pick there was a there was a guy that we discussed last week uh Dissiev or something like that from from Denmark and uh the reason I he, he's hardly done any races he's a real young fella mate he just annihilated the bike time <laughs> what did he do I'm sure he must have had the fastest uh bike time he ended up finishing up pretty well where did he get uh where did he get what are we looking for? What's the name? Did he add? Uh, Magnus Ditlev ended up 14th place. He ran at road of 138.12. So he did have the fastest bike split, uh, only just a little bit in front of Lionel Sanders. But the difference was he had a better swim. Uh, he was a minute in front of Sanders. So he caught the front group and rode straight past them all. And God, he looked like a weapon. Sanders is really fast. So definitely give him that. But this. Um, Dissiev, he just looked like a weapon and it kept some entertainment value up because he wasn't carrying any, any nutrition. Mm. Like, what are you doing? And then he did the old uh, Frodo missed the bottles at the aid <sighs> station and you go, you're going to explode. And he didn't explode, but he did cramp really badly that cost him doing well because he started to run like awesomely. Um, Tim O'Donnell was the only of the, the sort of iron distance guys that was really mixing it up with the young guys up front uh, in terms of really some of the veterans. He didn't have a great run so he was one of the few that was able to mix it up on the bike. Uh, Vincent Louis and Jonathan Brownlee both got penalties that probably affected their mindset a bit for, for the run so they had a two minute stand down um, and yeah the bike ride, when you've got to ride 80 kilometres without really coming off your aero bars, yeah. that is pretty tough. So there's lots of flat courses out there that many of you will have done, Florida and, and flat courses in different parts of the world, Barcelona. This is flat. But you're always going to have corners probably yeah. there, like you go around a roundabout or you go around a corner. They're still flat, but here you're on your Euro bars. And Holding that's a, one a, position for like you know, a few hours. To, yeah, so that was tough, and they're, they're hammering pretty hard. Tim O'Donnell came in 16th. 16th. Uh, the run, what was cool is when you looked at the tracker, the top 20 coming off the bike. What is it? You, just, you missed about penalties. No, no, I did say that. Oh, sorry. You clearly yeah, yeah. were f- focusing on Tim O'Donnell's That's finish. Right. Yep. Uh, the run, what was cool, you had everyone in the top 20. Uh, it was 202, I think it was 20th place coming off the bike. That's good, isn't it? The top 10 were all within sort of a minute. Um, but the problem was Louis and Brett, Jonathan Brownlee both had penalties. And so you t- they t- I tell you what, did you see Louis run front on? Oh, yeah, he's bow-legged. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. runs a bit like an ogre. Yeah, but man, he runs Oh, fast. yeah, don't get me wrong, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, that's a weird thing. He's the fastest runner in the world at the moment in terms of uh, you know Olympic distance ITU yeah, stuff. Yeah, So um, when Brownlee at the start of the run, Brown or Jonathan. So coming off the bike, you go. Brownlee's got it. Well, no, I wasn't. I was thinking Brownlee's 
probably got this, but I was probably only giving them about a 50% chance okay. because uh, just when they started the run, you'd normally expect Brownlee to be aggressive and just bank yeah. it off the front. Like he did get to the front pretty quickly, but I was looking at him going, you just don't quite look right. I think you know you possibly could still win this, and if you had a three minutes, I'd say yes, but when you've got the likes of um, Gustav Eden and stuff only a minute down, I'm thinking... I reckon they've still got a pretty good chance. All these guys, not all the guys behind them, but the real fast runners. Yep. And it turned out to be true. So Brownlee pulled out after, was it maybe a lap? I think it was the end of the first lap. Um, maybe it was the second lap. Um, but he wasn't a lead, but he wasn't expanding his lead or yep. anything like that. So he, he pulled out and then it was like, holy crap, who's going to win now? Because you had a couple of guys that were sort of Definitely not the favourites in terms of Sam Appleton and um, there was Thomas Davis from UK who ended up being the front. You're like, whoa, nobody would have picked this. And then you could see Gustav Eden coming and you're like, my money is definitely even more strongly on him than what it was before. He ended up getting to the front and, and looked relatively comfortable, running awesomely fast. But the action, I've never seen a race like this before. The action from second probably through to 15th, the amount of lead changes on the, uh, not lead changes, but change in position was phenomenal. Mm. Um, so that was just an awesome component of the race. Matt Hansen absolutely killed it, ran himself up to second, and he looked like he was basically sprinting the whole way. Yeah, he did, uh, didn't he? Just ama- I mean, he had a lot of upper body movement, but when you watched him from the, the waist down, you know, his heel was just touching his ass every flipping stroke, uh, every foot stroke. Uh, it was amazing. George Goodwin as well had an amazing race, n- a name not many people will be familiar with. He won the Outlaw race this year. He was second to Brownlee at uh, the Hal Vallon race, um, but that was an amazing performance. So when you look at your... Top five, you know, a lot of people and Lionel Sanders stuck with it all day yeah. and came home. You've got to give it place. to him because he was miles behind this mm. one. So you know, a lot of people would have uh, Lionel Sanders, Rudy von Berg, and Gust- Gustav Eden in their top five. I don't think anybody would have had George Goodwin, and I think very few would have had Matt Hansen. So Harold, do you know much about George Goodwin? Uh, he's still got a young fella, so he's, okay, def- so he's good definitely, for future. definitely one to watch. The ITU fellas, Henry Schumann had a really good race. I thought he'd get absolutely smoked on the bike, um, but he did. Is well. he normally weak on the bike? A bit weak, yeah. Yep. Uh, but he did well to hold it together in seventh. He was up in, I think he was up in second or third at one stage. Vincent Louis, interestingly, he uh, he had that penalty, but he was actually running behind Matt Hansen for a while. So you had the fastest ITU athlete against arguably one of the fastest, you know, top top two or three um, marathon runners in Ironman, and Matt Hansen. And Matt Hansen schooled him on how to run 18Ks. Yeah, because Vincent Louis faded away a lot. He lost two minutes on... Yeah, Sam Long uh, had a great race in, uh, in ninth place, and Andreas Dreitz in tenth. Javier Gomez looked like death at the start of the run. He looked like he was out for a Sunday jog, but he must have cranked it up because he had one of the fastest run yeah. spots with a 58-49, um, which was only bettered by... Uh, Jesse lost a lot of time on the bike, though, didn't he? Mm. Came in at 144. So all in all, it was I found it a pretty fascinating race. Um, and Gustav Eden, you know, shows again 70.3 world champion, and he's uh, pretty bloody good at this distance. Yeah, and he looked happy at the end too, didn't he? Yeah, you know, he, he, in the pocket. Yep. Uh, so what do we learn from this race, John? Especially for age groupers. Um, as I said, I think the key thing is those guys that are really strong on the bike and not necessarily the fastest, fastest runners, but are strong on the bike. They, they sort of really came through. And, uh, and I think for age groupers, you've got to look at this. And, and some of the pros would have prepared super specifically for this race. Yeah. But, you know, we keep going on about this spending two or three hours in the aero position without even moving. Um, so you've got to think about that. If you can't sustain it, 
then you've got to have a plan that you execute from the beginning of the ride. You don't want to be riding an hour and a half in Euro bars and then the last half hour yeah. you're in agony and then that affects your run. So I think the lesson for age groupers is here is have a strategy. If you're thinking, I'm doing Ironman Florida, it's going to take me five and a half hours, I can't sustain the aero position, have a bit of a plan about, okay, if, have you watch beep every whatever it is, 30 minutes, and spend a minute out of your seat uh, or sitting up and just moving around so then you're preventing, hopefully, your back becoming an issue later in the ride. So I think that's probably the main lesson people want to take out. Pacing normally prevails. So Gustav Eden said he was just suffering a bit on the bike, but he's just sticking to his game plan and uh, paced the race incredibly well and came through on the run. Could have risked it on the bike and maybe tried to push for the lead, but that might have compromised his run. Paula Finlay was a little bit different. She said she did risk it a bit on the bike and sort of put faith in in, uh, Lisa Norden that she was setting a good pace. So, um, yeah, a couple of different strategies there. And practice your bottle grabs. You know, we saw that guy, um, Dittiev, miss, miss the bottles. Lots of pros do the same thing. Although if you're an age group, if you miss a bottle, stop and get one. Yeah. You, you don't ride on. I get in these guys, that, you know, they've got to continue and, on. But. And they are going extremely fast. Yeah. But have a practice. Get your kids out there if you've got kids and just practice riding race pace pass and grab a few bottles. Yep. Okay, John, there are new other real piece of news we have this week. This is the Starkowitz case. It's getting a little bit more twisty and turny because the PTO – actually came out backing Starkowitz, which is really interesting. And sort of Starting re- to pick a fight. Yeah, and then Iron Man countered that and came back saying, this is how it worked from our end, boom, 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 and now it's going to be a, just a big shit fight. And uh, there's a good article on Slow Twitch by Dan Empfield uh, just sort of talking through how he views it and, and a little bit of history of why Iron Man is actually doing the um, the testing themselves. So go on to Slow Twitch if you're keen to find out a bit more, but this shit show is going to carry on for a bit longer. Yeah, PTO's picking a fight. Okay, John, we, we, last week in our discussion, we were just kind of wondering what were the festive festival, well, not festival, the festive celebration slash, you know, holiday season training sessions that you like to kind of challenge yourself with in this kind of stupid time of year. So let's get into it, John. Okay, uh, Alex Paul, December challenge I've done in the past was 101-100 swim set and uh, 112, I guess it's mile time trial this year thanks to john and talking about everesting i'm planning to do a virtual everesting ride on zwift 9.5 times alp to zwift nice challenge how long would that take uh it's pretty much an all-day affair depends how fast you go but it's sort of in that i guess 11 to 15 hour range uh, and this you know, if you're quite a bit slow but that's sort of the, the general i think it's about that long if uh, it, you know, uh, yeah it must be about that because if i was riding up to zwift i'd be Ballpark an hour, and you got to do it nine and a half times. Okay, there you go. Uh, Lucy Francis, uh, we used to do a Christmas Day swim in the Hampston Heath Ponds, an organised event where we'd jump into four degree water with a swim 20 metres, non wetsuit, come out and give an award to the fastest swimmer, men, eat a mince pie, go home, and continue to cook the, cooking the turkey. That's actually a pretty good thing. Mark Funks Brooks usually go out on Christmas morning for a 10 mile or 16k run wearing a Santa hat. Mick Simpson's go just go for a run on Christmas day before everyone gets up and the chaos starts one hour to myself Edward Wong uh, 100 times 400 run I can't say I've ever done that session that's solid that's a long way to run especially if you do it hard if you do it on a certain time mm. yeah uh, Grant Clifton the V55 pub crawl centred around Auckland City next week run up to the volcano have a, uh, a drink at the closest pub then to the next volcano about 28k slow running with 600 metres elevation over 4 to 5 hours with a meal at the end 
I know locally a few people do the um, the beer mile where you have a, oh, yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. a beer every 400 metres or a quarter mile and do yeah. that for a mile. Uh, Pike Redden normally do 100-100 swims but fractured my elbow in December so I switched to Zwift and knocked out 100 miles and 10,000 feet of climbing. Okay, uh, Richard Swan's got around 40k to mark my 40th birthday. Uh, doing it hungover meant it was an absolutely horrible experience. <laughs> Um, you do one more. I'm just trying to read Jeremy Hopwood's one. Okay, I'll go Cody Cox's. I don't have a Christmas session. This is a weird community, but uh, this year I may try to do this. So she's got 100K to Christmas. Oh, so I think it's that thing of you've got to try to run 100Ks before Christmas. Right. Up from like the 1st of December. Uh, well, one thing Kylie's supposed to be doing this weekend is the, the Mini Oxman aqua bike. So uh, okay. entry hasn't been received yet, Kylie. Shapping up. Uh, and she's got, and we're doing 100 100s uh, on the 23rd of December. She's doing it too, she? She's, uh, I've, I've challenged her to do a good 30 or so. So come on, Kylie, keep it up. Um, there's a <laughs> run, up, run Rudolph run here that Jeremy Hopwood's um, posted. I'm just reading on the fly, so if you want to check it out. Um, the a la carte Rudolph, choose which day across December 1st to 24th and tick off each box. Um, run each distance ranging from 1 to 12 k's between oh, okay. the 1st and the 12th. The Imperial Rudolph means you'll likely make bad life choices, so then you get a guess, get up to 24 miles. That's a pretty solid run. Yep. Uh, the Rudolph Herd, work as a team and complete the Rudolph Challenge with someone from your team. Uh, so the total distance if you do 12 days of Rudolph is 78 kilometres. If you do the Imperial Rudolph, it's 483 kilometres. So if you're keen to do one of these challenges, the consistent Rudolph, every day looks the same as uh, the consistent Rudolph. Run 5Ks each day across the 1st to the 24th of December. Good stuff. That is fun. Those challenges, these types of things are great, aren't they? The, you know, Egyptian Rudolph, the Egyptian Rudolph. Rudolph goes and visits an ancient pyramids with this Rudolph, ramping up to 12K and then easing back down to 1K before Christmas, and you do 156Ks. There we go. So you, oh, there's a, you can go to our Facebook page and you can see that there. Okay, this week's discussion. Oh, John, what about you? Uh, I'm going to do 100 100. So that's sort of the classic. And the other classic we used to do is on uh, Boxing Day. It used to ride about 180Ks to uh, Ekara and back. So we're in the middle of summer. If I was in the middle of winter, um, I think I'm, I'm about ready to give this old Everesting thing a crack. Oh, back um, it up. So in terms of a, a doing it as Zwift one, an outside one is even longer. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to do that at some Did stage. you know the guy who was on the news? Yes. I don't know him personally, but there was a, there was a, we had a 70-year-old fella. Uh, he's one of Steve Gurney's mates, and he did a, a, an effort, a, an Everest, uh, Steve Moffat, he did an Everesting um, completion down near Wanaka. Um, Yes, good on him. He broke the record, didn't he? For 70 plus. Uh, uh, what about me? For me, you know what? I've never really done the challenge thing. What about your runners? Do you set them any sort of challenge? Oh, I do like a, how many Ks can you do in a week hmm. kind of thing. So that, that works really well. Oh, over, over lockdown, actually, I did that. Hmm. So we did, um, we had three levels and I was doing, I think I had to do 70 Ks a week of running and I did that in lockdown. Yeah, so that's one thing I've done. But I do like the idea of it, especially if you are someone who, I don't really lack motivation over a holiday season. Hmm. Um so, but if you ask someone who lacks motivation, these kind of challenges can be really great. I okay, guess this, this week's discussion, we're going to be talking about what happened with, over the weekend, so over in the PTA race. So, putting uh, the dropping out of the last five minutes of the men's race to one side, what could the professional triathletes organisation have done better with the coverage of the event, the coverage or the event itself? Yeah, and we're not, we, we don't, you know, we, we're generally saying we actually like what they did, but yeah. what can be better? Where's the evolution? Okay, John, hopefully we're going to interview. You, you've organised an interview, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Yep, we've got, we've got uh, 10 minutes to do the rest of the show before our interview. Emily Watkinson, here she is right now. 
Right, our team. Um, we had that fantastic race at the weekend, and we had uh, one of our Kiwi favourites doing yes. extremely well. So Amelia Watkinson has come off the back of winning Sunshine Coast seventy point three, winning Ironman Cairns, and I think the Harvey Bay, Hervey Bay one hundred as well. So in great form, and certainly um, achieved a really good race. So welcome back along to the show, Amelia. Thank you very much for having me, team. So what, Proud what's, Kiwi. What's yeah. it like um, travelling? You know, for, for us Kiwis, we're really isolated in New Zealand. Uh, elsewhere in the world, most people aren't travelling anywhere. So what's the whole uh, travelling experience like? Yes, it was certainly a factor um, to consider. It was sort of turned a lot of people off. Um, There's a little bit of a process. You have to get a travel exemption and a COVID test pre-flight, wear your mask, Make sure you take plenty of hand sanitizer. On one of my flights, I needed to wear one of the uh, plastic face shields. I actually forgot to um, sort of a nice clear film stuck to both the inside and the outside. I forgot to peel it off, so it makes your vision super blurry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> it's like the, it's like the film that comes on your goggles when you yeah, first buy yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> you're like the person who has to plastic on the couch still, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> what about the measures like when you actually got to the to the race? You know, we could see that post race people had masks on, um, and just around the whole race, were you guys in a bubble, or how how was that organised? Yeah, it was really well done. So uh, all the competitors are in uh, between two race hotels, which is a few miles from the race course. Um, We all had to get a COVID test prior to traveling as well as when we got here, we had another COVID test when we checked in. And I guess they're just hoping we're going to play our part in safety because there's a lot going on around the area. We still have to go to the supermarket. But every time we enter the Daytona 500 club, they had people doing temperature checks and issuing, you know, a band per day. So there's a lot of measures in place to try and keep it really organized. And obviously nobody wanted to get sick before the race because that wastes everybody's time. Mm. So I think it was really well done. Just, just, um, were you ever considering not doing the race? Like was there a boarding tipping point and what made you decide to go towards it and maybe instead of not going towards it? Uh, for sure, it was a big expense as well as the health risk. Uh, we still don't know the repercussions of the whole the whole thing. Um, but personally, I am doing triathlon now, and it was an experience that really I didn't want to turn down at this point in my career. It's that was my personal value, so I decided to come. Yeah, nice. so, and very, very glad I did. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. So your expectations going into the race, you know, you're in really, really good form. You've been, been beating some, some quality athletes in those races. And Oz, obviously it's only Australian athletes, not that that's, uh, you know, there's some bloody good athletes over there we know. But, you know, you're probably in, in really good form. What were your expectations going in knowing the athletes that you were up against? Yeah, I was, I was really lucky um, that we had some racing in Australia with some really good athletes, uh, the likes of Sarah Crowley and Ashley Gentle, Ellie Salthouse. So um, probably without that, it's really hard to gauge yourself. So I knew I had some form and I, I guess it's different racing a little bit in the comforts of your, your own country, where you're from. Uh, and when you come over here, 
got to deal with the health concerns, the jet lag, and then the pressure of, of racing at that level. But I guess in my own head, I dull it down a little bit as my coping mechanism. And top 10 was my goal, and I squeezed into the top five. So I was... I didn't have the perfect execution of my race, but the placing is something really to be proud of. So I'm, I'm content with that. Just, just, you know, like it's not often we get fields this strong, you know, you often go to the races and you know, that you've been to in other than Kona, but you know, like but most races turn up, there's a couple of good people and that's about it. Whereas this one here it kind of was the field of the, of the year at least. Um, was it intimidating? And was there actually much connection with other athletes before the race? Well, yeah, we've been talking about this a little bit, actually, and we're really, really proud of all each other sort of as athletes for making the effort to come here because it's what we need. We need to be always racing the best of the best. That's what makes it exciting for us as well. You know, sometimes you have to go to smaller races to sort of balance out paychecks to to be able to make a living in the sport, especially when you're starting out, but... Mm that's not what's going to make our sport grow and um, that's not what fans want to see. So the opportunity to do this, it's really exciting. Um, for sure, we all know each other and we often sort of, I guess, become close to athletes in our own regions. So Asia Pacific, we obviously race each other a lot more. Um, but I think the athletes amongst the professional ranks, most of us are really good people and it's, it's really nice to get to know each other. There's, there's, as far as I'm aware, at the stage, there's not much animosity or rivalry as much as the PTO like to, to play that card. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so sort of talk us through your race. You know, um, uh, I want to specifically focus on the run in a moment, but sort of talk us through your mindset and your execution through the, the swim and the bike and maybe how this differs from, say, 70.3 world champs um, because we've got a probably a, a similar sort of field. So maybe talk us through the swim and the bike and how that panned out, say, compared to 70.3 world champs and, and Nice. Yeah, right. Um Probably quite contrasting races, actually. Um, this course is really suited to to probably power athletes. So the swim was actually quite cold. It was a wetsuit swim, uh, maybe 17 degrees uh, with an Australian exit. So it was two-lap course, getting out of the water and diving back in. And we had a couple of really strong swimmers in the field, um, Lucy Hall and Lauren Brandon that were definitely out the front. I was hoping to make the front pack. Um, my times in the pool, probably, or not quite the front pack, sorry, probably the second pack um, would indicate I'm capable of that. But um, I had a bad day in the swim. I'm, I was definitely a few places down than I would have liked and that's, that takes a toll on you mentally. Uh, you've really got to sort of quickly grasp that and, and move on. So that's what I did. And I just hoped that I could make up time on the bike, um, bike there. So the course is 20 laps around a dead flat track. And obviously you're in aero position. That's very important. 
And there's absolutely no point where you have a moment to, to sit up or stretch out compared to Nice, which uh, was hilly, very, very hilly. One big mountain. So you actually, there's a lot of opportunity to ride out of the saddle. And it just makes a really big difference because when you're in that aero position, uh, stepping a little bit too hard can really impact your run. I think all of us, all of us today were complaining of sore glutes and groin a lot more than normal. <laughs> mm. Yeah, fair. <laughs> and, and the run, it's sort of, uh, I think we all anticipated the run was going to be really important. Um, possibly we're all going to come off the bike a little bit tighter than I think actually played out in the female race. But... Um, uh, just in terms of where you were positioned on the bikes, we had Lisa Norden off the front uh, with um, with Paula Finlay. You know, mm. um, did you guys have a bit of a pack there? Um, and and how hard is it for you guys to keep that twenty meter gap? When we watched the men, you know, they had a really big lineup. I just can't recall how big a group you guys had and how difficult it is to, I guess, keep your position and and not let people sort of cut you off. So maybe talk us through that when you've got a bit of a lineup of, uh, of athletes. Mm, so the dynamic is really interesting when it's a 20-meter draft rule with the caliber of athletes that we have. Uh, the swim certainly broke things up a little bit, um, but it quickly came back together. I think I was actually quite far down, maybe around 15th to 12th amongst on the bike. But essentially the cones, there's a little bit of a discrepancy here. We were definitely 20 metres apart. I think the men possibly uh, pushed the limits a tiny bit. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was some drafting penalties issues. Uh, essentially, we're sticking to the left, which is the inside lane. And if you think about it on a, on a running track, when you're running just that little bit further, it's actually quite considerable if you're in the on the right-hand side. Mm. So when you overtake and you've got to do it in 20 meters, we had 40 seconds to go around each person. And once you've passed the person's front wheel, they have 10 seconds to drop back and get out of the drafting zone. So this means the person passing has to do a really considerable power increase. And ideally, if you're going to pass, you do it on the straights rather than the corners so that at least you're not having to travel more distance as well as more power. And as the person being passed, you almost have to stop pedaling so that you're out of the draft zone within that 10 seconds. So that's, that made it a little bit tricky to pass and you had to be really committed when you were doing it. Uh, so possibly it, it meant that you you had to sort of hold your power for a full lap if you wanted to make that pass to make sure there weren't too many issues with with uh, drafting penalties there. And just Quite a bit of time too, isn't yeah, it, on that power? Exactly. If mm. it was, you know, on the bike there, was it similar to what you'd uh, – I know you said you'd probably be a bit more sore coming off the bike because it was that, you know, <laughs> two hours of constant effort. Were you, were you particularly um, a bit rougher coming off the bike? Or, and was that just because of the position or because um, you'd ridden maybe harder than what you normally would ride? Uh, I actually, I think we all 
we all train in the aero bars, especially on the turbo for the two hours, but it's just not, not the same. We're used to the position. We knew what we were racing and how to prepare, but uh, I suppose it just doesn't quite cross over exactly the same. And it's not the, not the same racing format that our bodies are accustomed to. So it just gets, it gets certain muscles a little bit more. And uh, we're definitely all walking a little bit funny this morning. <laughs> did, did, did you enjoy the bike? I thought it was a really interesting, uh, a really interesting dynamic. And I personally, of course, where the nature of endurance athletes, where it's hard to be content with your performance and it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Um, so obviously I, I feel like I had a little bit more to give, but that's, that's what it was on the day. And I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I enjoyed the difference of it. I would say personally, I prefer the hilly course, um, but I think there's room for this and I think it was really spectator friendly and I, I like the variety that different races can give. This is just a random one, but we, we were discussing on the show earlier it's hard to tell how steep the banking is there and whether there would be any scope for them to actually send you up the banks a little bit, just, just to break it up a bit. Um, is that feasible or is that just, would just be gimmicky? Oh, it was, it was tricky for us as well. It is very steep. I think maybe uh, Sebi or Sam Long or a couple of the boys uh, tested out the banking, but it's very steep. It's sort of, it's broken is a flat piece and then it's actually a change of road surface. So it's not all one continued piece. Um, so it's not like, a, I don't know what you'd compare it to. Yeah. It's two, two separate pieces. So you're either on the flat or you're on the bank, one or the other. You can't quite seamlessly on a bike merge up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't game enough to try the banks. Maybe <laughs> after the race, if I had an opportunity, I could risk it. Yeah, nice. It took us through your run because um, when I was watching you, uh, the coverage that you were on there, it, it seemed to me like you were going a bit backwards early on and you looked like you were suffering. But then when I looked at the splits, you came through really, really well in the back half. So for you, was there quite a bit of movement in your position on you know you ended up fifth um how did you sort of hover as you went through the run in terms of position and, and how you felt it was actually interesting i think a lot of us thought that the nature of the course would allow us to to really see where our competitors were and what placing we were but in fact a lot of us didn't uh myself included i had no idea what position i was in um, really? i knew i was around about 10th when I crossed the finish line, uh, fifth place was actually quite a surprise for me. Oh, wow. I, uh, I, I personally struggled a little bit in the swim and the bike, but I guess that's the beauty in triathlon is that there are those three disciplines and it allows for quite a lot of uh, toing and froing in the competitors. And there were a few girls that possibly overbiked. Um, and I was able to, I would say that's one of my strengths is uh, the mental fortitude not to, not to give up until I crossed that finish line. And it clearly paid off for me. 
did you pass a few people in the in the closing case because i know that you yeah it was it was pretty tight from uh from sort of fourth through to probably about seventh or so so i think i see you you just you were closing in on holly lawrence and uh i'm not sure if you passed sky munch or or not yeah so sky's actually one of my uh my squad mates and i i think i caught her and one other person. So you could sort of just see, you could see a few hundred meters up the track and you could see people in the distance, but you couldn't see everybody. And obviously you you pick them up ahead and you slowly gain, but you obviously still 18 K you've got to pace yourself. Mm. And uh, maybe I got sky with about three K to go. And I was expecting her, to be honest, to, to come back and give me a sprint finish. So I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't give up right until that line. In that stage of the race, is the money much of a motivator for you? Or are you just trying to go, I want to finish as high up as possible? Or are you actually thinking about uh, the paycheck at all at the end of the day going, each place here is potentially worth, you know, three to $5,000? Well, yeah, that certainly you have that in the back of your mind. This is this event has the biggest prize purse we've seen so far in triathlon. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a it's a huge motivator for nobody. That's that's not the reason we do the sport, but it's certainly playing a big part in professionalizing the sport and getting the attention of fans and media, I think in the long term. So the difference, yeah, I think I was 30,000 for fifth place and it maybe went down in intervals of five, slowly down to three. So there was a, there was a big difference. If it came down to a sprint finish, you know, one second for $5,000 is, Mm. It is considerable when you're going to think about it after the race. But but you're saying as you crossed the finish line, you weren't sure what position you were in. So did you? Where did you think you were? Uh, I was hoping I was around top ten, and I, I thought well, that's so you, you, that where it was. Wow! But but even the the, the um. So what was it like when you found out you were fifth? I I was a little bit shocked, but quite excited at the same time but you weren't the only one because laura phillip who finished third she didn't know she'd finished third she goes i got third. No. oh i didn't know that so that's interesting because on, on, when you're watching the footage it looked fairly obvious you know in terms of i, I was thinking oh you've got a whole straight here you'd be able to, to figure it out but clearly you were not the only one so awesome work mm. um so what's your what's your path now you know um before we started recording you were going to be doing a, a 70.3 but um next weekend but that's not happening so what's your sort of pathway now given you've you have had some racing this uh this season um and then we're obviously going into the to sort of summertime in australia so there'll be more racing on offer so what's what's your plan from here yeah, well, originally we decided the 70.3 a weekend after if we were making the trip, may as well add in another race. Um, unfortunately, it was cancelled, so we're, we'll have a small uh, careful holiday afterwards, possibly go down to the bottom of Miami and the Keys down there. Uh, after that, I think we will call it a season, so I'm lucky I've had, had a build and had a season started in September. And I think we'll take a little bit of time off and then start again for the 21, 2021 season. 
just 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 where does this race because you've had some really you've had a really good career you've had lots of wins along the way and where does this race rank in your career because uh, it's pretty I good think, field uh, yeah so this is this is probably the highest caliber i've raced at other than 70.3 worlds last year i haven't had the opportunity to race at such a high level um Placing wise, I think it would be be the pinnacle. Um, execution wise is a little bit tricky to evaluate, um, as I see myself as an evolving athlete. So it's still probably right up there as one of my best races. And, and with that in mind, you know, because you kind of turn up, you know, best field you're going to get pretty much. Uh, you put off a fifth. Does that shift the way you see your future? Does it shift your inner perspective of self? Like, does it make you think, shit, maybe I am better than I am, or did you already have that inner confidence? Uh, well, this year, I think, in particular, has been really, really tough. Uh, through the middle of our Aussie, although a soft winter, it was it was difficult for everyone. Um, but especially for athletes not having those, those goals, um, sort of quitting it does it does pop into your mind when you're going through really tough times so when you're rewarded for for continuing to push through it's, it's quite special um and it's nice to be rewarded for the hard work that you've been been putting in for so long awesome now it was great to see you uh, I got, sorry I got one more question are you coming back to new zealand <laughs> you i'm in new zealand I have thought about that. I qualified for Kona at Ironman Cairns, so I haven't quite made the decision of whether I, I need another uh, Ironman experience prior to Kona yet. And it possibly depends on the quarantine conditions as well yep. by next year. Fingers crossed. We might have we might let some uh, Australians back into the country. Maybe we'll see. Tourism needs it. We need, you, we need the Aussies come over. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, we'll make it a more exciting race if we come over. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, if people want to follow you in terms of your progress, um, uh, what's the best way for them it's to do that? a great website. Yeah, I'm on a website. I primarily am an Instagram person. I like the visuals, but I normally put some effort into my captions in there too. So that's just <laughs> Amelia Rose Watkinson on Instagram. Um, Facebook for those that use that as well. Same, same name. Brilliant. Awesome. Well, uh, safe travels back to back to Oz. And, to Disneyland. And fingers crossed we hopefully uh, get to see you back over the ditch here. We're just for, for our Kiwi listeners, where, where are you originally from in New Zealand? Uh, I grew up in Auckland, mm-hmm. um, just out of the city. And it was great. I didn't know that Auckland was uh, full of traffic until I moved out of the city. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Because so used to it. Originally, it was a brilliant training destination. So, grew up just uh, in Westmere. So, plenty of parks. How long have you been out of New Zealand for? I have been living out of New Zealand for. Oh, you have been making me think about this. Must be five, almost five years. Okay, here's a super question. What's the most Kiwi thing you miss? Pineapple lumps. Pineapple lumps. Oh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's a good answer. They have to be frozen. That's when they Oh, you're, you're one of my heart. I, I love you for saying that because I love freezing. <laughs> freezing my treats so they last longer, eh? 
Awesome. No, fantastic race. So we love seeing Kiwis uh, yeah, smoking so on the international stage and especially with the season you've had, which we know has been really difficult. So good work and uh, we look forward to seeing more results coming our way in the next uh, year or so. Yeah, perfect. No, I'm still a proud Kiwi at heart. I think we have a, a great, tough kind of number eight, number eight wire mentality that, yeah. that goes pretty far worldwide. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Okay, John, we, we, we're actually doing this before we do the interview with me, Alyssa. Let's quickly do your random high five. Based on uh, last weekend, Matt Hansen has moved into my, this is my random top five that I thought of this morning, of the, the runners that I like to watch the most when they're running at full steam. Now, have you gone, have you gone? Long course. But have you gone favourite? Like is number one your number one? Yes. Okay. Yep. So this, is, this isn't the fastest of all time. This is the people that I like to watch running. Number and one is, is, is in current. Um, Which no, is, is your all time? Yeah. Yep. Really? Well, I did this pretty quickly. I didn't give it a huge amount Because these are all very current this people. This just boom off the. Oh, line. no, you got one old one. Um, so we've got uh, Marinda Carfrey. Uh, yeah. She's in number one, just, and that's from the ground, seeing her running. Amazing. You've, you want to show some good running technique? Show hers. Mm. Um, uh, Patrick Langer. Also on the ground, standing outside Lava Java, seeing him come past both directions, I was like, "Holy smoke!" And I think, but I think that was the year that he ran into third, rather than actually the year that he won. Well, because he was the first guy to officially go under two forty, wasn't he? Or was mm. it Frodo? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure he was. He and was, it was the year he got third, wasn't it? I think. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. He broke yeah. The, broke the run course record when he got third. Yeah. Uh, third is Anne Haug, uh, having seen her in the flesh, and also just. Every race that she does at the moment. She does hold a bit, elbows are a bit wide and she's a bit tense, but yeah. I'm not going to go. <laughs> yeah. Again, <laughs> Who am I to judge? Waist down, just looks like she's absolutely smoking it and yeah. is smoking it as well. Luke Van Laird, just because he was, uh, he won Hawaii, geez, when did he win Hawaii? 1997, I think it was. Oh, uh, see, I didn't know. I th- I was he an amazing runner, was he? He just looked balanced and I just enjoyed watching him. Okay. Because uh, he wasn't amazing because I know he's an Uber biker, wasn't he? Oh, no, he was, he was an Uber across the board. Oh, was he? He was a good swimmer, good biker, good runner. Yep. Uh, so he was awesome. And then Matt Hansen has come I get him and Matt Russell. Matt Russell gave him confused. So they say Matt Russell, Hansen was, I was, Matt Russell, I was thinking Matt Russell and I was thinking, no. he's in second place. Yeah. And then I saw him and I was like, oh, no, it's not Matt Russell. So if you, can, if you get to see a bit of the footage from the weekend of uh, Matt Hansen running, again, upper body, put a bit of movement around there some sp- scope for improvement but hips down mate he just looked like he was sprinting the whole way so I really enjoy these are people I enjoy watching hips so like that's a top five okay let's do a winger of the week let's go number one I'm going to give number one some love today number one yeah okay uh, let's have a look Sonia P last week oh no she always wins Sonia Pippen's always up the, up the top there she, but we never give her love well we have several times but Sonia Pippen oh, I'm, screw I'm, you Pippen no I'm, uh, I'm giving some other love as well <laughs> Pippen I love you John doesn't love she you she ran 38 minutes and rode 25 hours and 56 minutes so I'm going to go down I'm going to 100 number 100 okay you're going the opposite and there we go Pike Reardon Oh, good old Pike. He only biked as well, but he did comment on our page there. So he biked 11 hours and 19 minutes. But that's because he's got the, he says he's had the fractured elbow. So uh, I wonder if that includes his uh, little Zwifty Rooney Roo. So Pike Reardon, number 100. It is coming up. Uh, he's from Gardnerville, Nevada. And he's got lots of cool pictures up there. He's got a picture of him riding a Zwift. He's got a picture of him, uh, well, not of him, as a, a chicken. Uh, he's got a picture of his tank of gas in his car full he's got some nice food pictures pictures of rainbows and he this week he did a six minute uh, a pr for his six minute max aerobic test oh nice work so there you go 
Uh, he also was obviously riding a bunch on Zwift because he had his third fastest time for 40k TT on the London Pretzel. Uh, but he is Zwifting like crazy. And he has had a pretty big year. So from sort of lockdown period from April through to sort of October, pretty bloody consistent uh, with his training. Then obviously maybe November time is when... Uh, the crap at the fan because it uh, dropped off a little bit. Oh, crap hit the fan. So Pike Reardon, you are our winger, winger of the week. week. John, question I have for you is, you want us to be wrapped up in five minutes. Mm. Questions and answers can't happen. Okay. We'll save it till next week. So question and answers will wait. Uh, John, let's do our sponsors. We have our fantastic patrons. And we've got Rob, uh, the detailed deliverer, Gray. Carol, rock solid Cooper. We've got Caleb, bellboy guest. And Brian, <laughs> Hellraiser Hagen. <laughs> Pretty obvious was my BB guest. Yeah. Uh, John, uh, if you want to become a patron, go to www.talk.me. Just get, get in the information. Support the boys. You patrons out there, absolutely rock. Uh, if you aren't a patron, sharpen up. Yeah, sharpen up. If you love the show, come on, fuck a dollar our way at least. Um, and then also, uh, if you want to get the show, email to you on the same website, www.imtalk.me. Coach John Newsom for. Uh, um, for coaching my podcast, I'm interviewing a digital specialist next week. Someone who's about healthily looking at you having devices in your life. Um, other content, age group a week, cool website, other feedback, I am talk podcast at gmail.com. John, you guys have got four minutes. Okay, got the Oxman coming up this weekend, half Ironman race. I'm organising, looking forward to that. What Actually, John, don't even worry about your guys. Do you want a challenge? Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Talk about the Oxman for a second. So, the irony down here, whether I hold this race, is. It's really hot at the moment, and the lake actually gets colder when it gets hotter because we have more water flow going into the lake. And we had a swim there on the weekend. It's pretty fresh. I don't know what the hell Bevan's doing, but uh, I'm not. Oh, I've played that game before. <laughs> don't like that game. He's dropped down the the bed of nails. We had I've, I've got myself a shakti, a shakti, shakti mat. <laughs> the shaggers mat. No. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to shag one of those, I tell you. And so your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is try to stand on it for two minutes. Standing on it? Yeah, pass me my watch. Go, you don't quick. want me to lie on it? No, I want you to stand on it. Stand pass me my watch, pass me my watch. Because lying on it's good, but standing on it's really hard. Right. Okay, and I got Joe, Joe did it, but she was almost like crying. I did it. It's pretty pretty intense, John. So I'm going to, John's going over to the Shakti mat. Right? Oh, he's taking the mic. Good work. Well done. So he's taking the mic over. And you, let me know when you're ready to stand on I'll start the stopwatch. It's it's pretty intense. Am I allowed to have a little tester just to... Yes, you, oh, this is going to be a piece of piss. Okay, ready? Starting three, two, one, and go. So I got a Shakti mat about three weeks ago. I've been using it when it's I meditate. It's a big game. It's like the blender challenge. He's like... Yeah, you're right with it, are you? Yeah, fine. I mean, you're a pro. Well, let's wait for two minutes. Yeah. Stand up straight. Don't bend over. Well, Lift the mic up. Into the mic. Oh, okay, I suppose I can take this off. Yeah, take it out. Be like a pro. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got your challenge. Well, let's just talk then. I can stay here all day. Uh, guy's a pro. Oh, although when you do go into one foot, that, that makes it a little bit harder. Um, so we had one of these on Epic Camp. Tim Piggott from uh, the Did UK brought one over. Have you used it? Um, we were lying on it a bit. We had a bit of back pain going on there. Yeah. My, my son Thomas would last about a second on here. Joe was a real pussy. Mm. Joe was... 
<laughs> Sorry to American listeners, we know that's really offensive. For oh, is it, is it really? For Kiwis, uh, oh, okay. It's, a, it's been soft. Yeah. Um, so Joe was a bit, but she did get through two minutes. Yeah. But I do, I've been using it when I meditate. And mm-hmm. you do find the first couple of minutes is kind of disturbed by just getting used to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding I definitely go deeper when I meditate. Great. So, yeah, so yeah. you're a minute I'm, down. I'm coping okay. You're like yeah. a pro. Yeah. Like, I have to admit, I did it, but it wasn't comfortable. You look like you could be there all day. I'm a barefoot person. I wear barefoot as much as possible. Oh, Don't like wearing shoes. So I barefoot as much as possible. Well, 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 you've got 45 seconds, but you've actually ruined my game. I was hoping, <laughs> yeah. hoping you'd be in tears, you'd be no. moaning. You're pro, you're in use. I certainly feel it. Any other uh, goss? Any other goss? No, big Oxman week this weekend where the forecast is looking pretty promising. Yes. Lake's going to be a little bit cool. Yes. Um, we've got a good good men's field. Numbers are going up. So If you haven't reached it and you are in New Zealand, yeah, $49 flights on in New Zealand every day. That's right. Get on the $49 flight, bring your bike, bring your gear, mm-hmm. and then do a great race. I'm, I've disappointed you. 15 seconds. I know. Oh, you, 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 hey, you've impressed me. <laughs> you haven't disappointed me. You've impressed me. 10, 9, 8, 7, Six, five, four, three, two. Well done, Newson. It's all about. You know it. You got to be careful when you get off these yeah, things because all your weight it. goes on one foot. <laughs> yeah. So that was exciting. There you go. It's exciting. Um, I think we have to wrap it up because the interview what's, comes. What's, what's happening in your world? Um, I got a shakti mat. It's really hard to stand on. <laughs> so if you do more than two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on ACC, John. I'm off work for <laughs> six weeks. He's been standing on the shakti mat for too long. So now he's. I've on got ACC. a bulging disc, which probably I've had a bit of a slip. Uh, it was a bit of a problem leading into the half Ironman. I think that was the breaking point. Doing a half Ironman on on a bit of a bulging disc wasn't good. It's got to the point where I can hardly even stand up. So I went to the good old Nat England yesterday. Yeah. He said, six weeks on, and I'm going to see the surgeon. So it might be a bit of a back operation, John. But oh. these things happen. I, 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 I trust my professionals. Anyway, John, we're going to get out of here. I'm Russ. I'm we don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.